welcome to the H&H Hour. My name is Heidi Bolt. I'm one of your hosts. I'm here with my sister and my co-host, Heather Taves. And Heather is my older sister, but my best friend. Yep. Hey, Heather. Hi. So we've always talked about doing something together. Yes, we have. And I didn't ever dream it would be in podcast form. I, I didn't even realize there was podcasts until just recently, a, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. But this has been a fun journey. Mm-hmm. And, Super fun. Um, I have been so encouraged, Heather, over the last, I'd say even few weeks, just the, how God is using it. Yeah. I've had people reaching out to us, to me, over mm-hmm. our H&H Hour on Instagram. Yes, very and cool. sharing their personal moments mm-hmm. of what God, how God is speaking mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And just the guests that God is bringing on and the things that he's doing is... It's only God. It really is. And thank you so much for telling us those stories because sometimes, you know, we sit here and we know that our words and our voices are going out, Mm -hmm. but to hear that the impact that it's making just makes us re-energized to keep going and to not just feel like we're just talking into a microphone, but that we're actually um, being a part of some transformation in your lives. And that's so cool. And you know what I just realized before I hit record on this episode is that we are coming up. We are less than a month away from our one-year anniversary of oh, the Oh, yeah, that's Tower. true. Yeah. That's true. Our first episode aired um, December 7th. So. Okay. Yeah, because it was last summer that we sat outside in our local city right. at a restaurant mm-hmm. with our husbands and said, what would it look like if so, we did a podcast? I know. So I'm thinking super cool, super special episode. Okay, yeah. I think it should be something crazy. Like we call in to some of our former guests. Oh, that'd be fun. Like, and surprise them. Okay. And then, you know, maybe, oh, they have to do the fast facts. That would be funny. Oh, that would be fun. I know, that would be so, so if fun. So if you want to, if you're a former guest and you want to be on the fast facts for the Christmas episode. Let us know. Let us know. Yes. And we will, we'll pull some names. For our one year anniversary episode. That's fun. I love that. Okay. Okay. So cool. Well, Heather, today I am excited. We have a really good friend of ours here. Um, his name is Rob Craig. And, which, isn't that a manly name? So manly. Rob Craig. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Poor Rob. He's like, what? Hi, Rob. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Such an introduction. Well, it is. like now, now I have to live up to it. Now I have to be really manly. Really manly. But you have like two manly names. I do. I have. I get that all the time. Yeah. Actually, really? I have. People say that to you all the time? All the time. Huh. Every day at work. It's it's pretty common. It's not uncommon to see somebody address a, an email back to me calling me Craig and then apologize about 30 seconds later saying, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm at Rob. Yeah. That's true. Well, so. when we first met you many years ago now, my husband would always call you Craig. Yeah. I, <laughs> He's like, I know. Margie and Craig. I'm like, honey, it's Margie and Rob Craig. <laughs> He's like, this is right. This is true. Okay. Before we get into like all of it, you... Please tell us what you're called at work because that just blesses my heart so much. What I'm called at work? Don't people call other you than some, my name? Don't oh, people call my you nickname? Special at work? Yes. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> they, they call me the king. The king. The yes. king. Yes. Does this translate into home life? Uh, no. Oh. No, not at all. Bummer. No. It's no. such a bummer. No. I, feel I feel like, like Margie should call you the king. I definitely feel like Margie should call you the king. I'm, I'm, that's fine with me. I mean, you guys can, you know, pass it along to her and see if it catches on. We'll yeah. work on that. Okay. Well, now that we've just completely derailed his okay, introduction, yes. <laughs> sorry about that. You know, this is what happens when we podcast at night. Yes, this because is true. We just it's tired. End right. of the day. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I'm. I guess. Basic facts, I guess. I'm uh, coming up on 43 years old. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Margie, for about 16 and a half years. And she had three kids when we got married. So I've got three stepchildren. Mm-hmm. They're all old-er. All old. Old-er. <laughs> Did you hear that? Grown. Kids are old. Yes, they will appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the house. Yes. Um, so we're in kind of a, I guess a unusual situation because we're both kind of young yeah. and yet we don't have any kids at home so yeah. uh, we even have two grandchildren uh, Riley and Liam like coolest are you Papa I am Pop? Papa Rob Papa yeah. Rob so like coolest Papa ever yeah I, I think so yeah, yeah but, definitely. so fun yeah. yeah it is fun they are a blast so yeah. and we've had we get to watch them quite a bit and you know had a chance to because of both of their parents worked you know evenings and nights you know they were young and so we had the opportunity to kind of you know 
to help take care of them yeah. a couple of days a week. And my wife, you know, went back to four, cut back to four days a week and working so that she could help take care of them. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of my first experience in, in diapers and overnight stays and okay that's so, right because you didn't have your own babies I did so not so how did you deal with that with diapers not easy it was, <laughs> it was rough but the diapers you get used to I think it was the uh it was the sleepovers that yeah, yeah. never get easy because I never had that before right. so I'm wanting to constantly check on them and with Riley the the first one when she was when she was born. I mean, she was. I think she was staying with us a couple of days a week, at least a day and a half, two days a week, overnight, at least one time a week, and at, that was like at six to eight weeks, something like that. Oh wow, newborn. And yeah, and I would put her to bed, and I was always up last, and I would lay down in bed, come to bed, and I would just lay there staring at the ceiling, thinking. Is she breathing? Yeah. Yeah. And then I would have to get up and I would go in there and I would stare at her, just stand over the crib, you know, eerily and just listen for the sounds. (laughs) Bless your heart. And then I would hear it or I thought I heard it. I would go back to bed and I'd lay down there and I'd be like, did I really hear it? Mm Mm-hmm. Was it, was she really, really? Mm -hmm. Maybe I should go back and check. And eventually I'd just take a pillow and blanket and lay on the carpet next to her because I just couldn't trust the monitor you know it wasn't going to hear it you know so yeah oh that is so sweet so no sleeping and she's how old now she will be seven in a month so you've truly experienced all the phases of being papa rob yes definitely (laughs) definitely so it's been fun that might be my favorite story you've ever told i know that's pretty cool how sweet i love that so fun okay so um we do this thing called fast facts which I know you're aware of. I am now, yeah. Yes, you are now. <laughs> which is quickly becoming a favorite. My sarcasm might come out with That's this. That's okay. So. This is okay. We, okay. we are, we, we love we, sarcasm. We major in sarcasm. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we have, have four de- brothers. We have degrees in sarcasm. <laughs> okay, so we're going to say a word, and then you're going to tell us the first thought or word or phrase that comes into your mind. Okay. Keep in mind, we are, we are family friendly most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. And we can edit if maybe. We, we certainly can. Are you ready for <laughs> fast facts? I'm as ready as I'm going to get. Here yeah. we go. Cars. Fast? Date night. Oh, this is... I don't know if I want to go quite there. Don't go there. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with sex. Yes, oh, that's right. Yes. yes. Snapchat. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only social media I have. Okay. <laughs> We're going to come back to that. Hobby. Exercise. Wife. Beautiful. Cleaning. Ah, happy. <laughs> I couldn't wait for his answer. Right <laughs> Season. Season. Uh, I. Constantly changing. Okay. Hmm. Pet peeve. Mm, social media. <laughs> Vacation. Someplace warm on a beach, anywhere. Yeah. Kids. Happy. Cold drink. Hmm. Beer. Hot drink. Coffee. Food. Mm, anything with sugar in it. Movie. Too many to choose from. I, I love movies. So, I, yeah. You did so well. That's so great. Is that good? That you was did good. Okay. You I didn't even you, flinch. I think you get the award. I think so, too. That was so good. I loved it. And you were so honest, which is great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So good. Cool. Well, so, Rob, one thing that we, when we set out for this podcast, we, we determined that we wanted to be able to, like, highlight the ordinary moments in life that sometimes we see as just ordinary. But changing the perspective to go, okay, these ordinary moments, these ordinary people, they're actually quite extraordinary. And so anytime we have a guest on, we love to ask our guests, like, what's something about your life that you feel is ordinary? 
just one thing or whatever you whatever want to you say want. you've got the floor you've got the whole mic okay i i i guess i would say i am about as ordinary as you get i mean in my opinion i'm i i work in insurance i mean it's about as boring as it gets i'm you know i just go through life day to day i i don't see anything extraordinary okay so Okay. I don't think you're alone in that answer. No, I don't think so either. I think a lot of people, if they're if they're being honest, mm-hmm. like if they're not trying to sugarcoat it, I think that I think that would be a lot of people's the answer. The majority of people. Yeah. I mean, we hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't feel like there's anything. I think everything's ordinary mm-hmm. in my life. So the flip side of that, and you kind of already answered it, but do you think there is anything extraordinary about yourself? No. 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 I, no. Other than maybe at times, maybe some extraordinarily sarcastic comments, but that's about it. That's about <laughs> okay, it. Well, I'm so much. happy he is our guest because I, I feel know. like in the next few minutes, yeah. we get to help him realize yeah. the what is extraordinary? extraordinary things that mm-hmm. God has specifically wired him for yeah. and the story God's written in his life. Because yeah. I, I mean, I've known you for a few years now, you and your wife and your kids, and I'm telling you, there are some very extraordinary things about your life. Yeah. For sure. So we're going to dive into that. So we're going to highlight. Are them. you okay with that? Let's, let's go. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. So first of all, um, you shared with our whole church. We go to church together um, a few years ago, a story that really impacted a lot of people. It impacted me so much. And it's the story of what you went through with your dad. Can you tell us that story? And you can tell us as much or as little as you feel comfortable with and, and just um, tell our listeners because I I think there's something so um, valuable in your story that other people will be able to hear and relate to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, You might have to edit out some sniffles and some ugly crying, but... Real men cry. um, But, I I mean, I guess to start with, I mean, I was raised in the church. I mean, my dad was a a minister, uh, so we were always there, you know, I week after week. Um, it was always a big part of our lives. Um, and then, uh, when we were still fairly young, uh, my dad decided to take a job working as a chaplain at the local hospital here in town so that we would have some sort of, uh, normal childhood. We wouldn't be bouncing around from town to town, church to church. And as they kind of move young pastors around and, uh, so, um, you know, we moved to the area and uh, just were always involved with the church uh, constantly. Uh, my dad was, uh, you know, like I said, he was a chaplain at the hospital and he was always constantly serving others and, you know, um, helping others weddings, funerals, whatever, you know, I mean, he was, he was gone quite a bit. And, um, and then about, I was about, I was around 12. Uh, he was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor and he was told at that time that he had about six months to live. Uh, so it's a pretty aggressive form, uh, of tumor and, um, so it was a pretty big shock to be, you know, going from, you know, the day-to-day mm-hmm. things of just being a kid, being a 12-year-old kid playing baseball, you know, little league, playing with your friends to, you know, then finding out that all of a sudden now you're, you know, your dad might not be here in six months. And so... You know, I, I think I just kind of, uh, honestly, I just kind of shut down. I just kind of checked out and it was just easier, uh, you know, to stop thinking about what might happen and just pretend like it had already happened. And I, you know, obviously I had a, a lot of anger and so... I, you know, partly I, I blamed him because there was no one else I could blame. Mm-hmm. And and then I, obviously, I, I blamed God because, 
because it's uh it was difficult to watch you know as a kid you you see someone who gives their life yeah to god and and serves everyone else and then it's taken away yeah and uh So I was, I was angry. I just, I didn't want to deal with it. So my way, my way of dealing with it was just to kind of uh, do my own thing and and to do my best to to help, you know, my mom get through it. And I mean, I hope my my whole goal and I think my brother and sister's goal in life became how do we how do we make our our mom's life less stressful? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. You don't get into trouble. You don't, you know. You learn to to do your laundry. You learn to make dinner for yourself. You learn to clean up after yourselves. You learn to do your own homework. And if you can't figure it out, you find a way. Mm-hmm. You know. You you know all those little things. And and they did. You know. I mean, my parents did everything they could to keep it from us. Yeah. To try and you know make it them. seem yeah, yeah to seem normal. And, but, uh, you know, when you're 12 and my sister was a year and a half older than me, I mean, so she, we knew, mm-hmm. and we had a younger brother. My, my younger brother was, uh, five years younger than I am. And so, you know, I mean, it, a lot of what we did was to help him mm-hmm. sure. to take care of him. I mean, I, you know, I helped coach his little league, you know, and I played in a father son basketball game, which was mm-hmm difficult to be put in that role but it it was just you know it just became the norm you just did whatever you had to do together as as a family and uh but that was about the time when I just stopped going to church I didn't I just you know, I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think my parents knew me well enough to know that if they forced it on me, then I was just going to go mm-hmm. even harder the, the opposite direction. Yeah. And, you know, they tried to to talk to me about it. But I, you know, I just, you know, said I was fine. I'll be fine. Yeah. Move on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just worry about, you know, you take care of dad and I'll I'll be okay. And uh, it, it just, you know, it it goes from not going to church one week to two weeks to a month to a year, and then it just gets to be the norm. It just gets to be a habit. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, that went on for over 20 years, wow. close to 25 years where I just stopped. I just didn't didn't want to be there and I came up with every excuse under the sun yeah. you know why why you don't need to be there mm-hmm. you know and some of those excuses I you know hear from other people mm-hmm. now and you know I you know part of a lot of guilt I have is I my younger brother saw me mm-hmm. acting that way talking that way and he still doesn't go and it's it's difficult for me because i think what if i had handled that differently you know so but um so how long did your dad live from that diagnosis he ended up um living for another 15 years actually he was, I think, just sheer faith and a pure stubbornness to live. He just didn't want to give in, and and they gave him six months, and he lived fifteen years. Yeah, and he, you know, and I think that's part of what I understand now is because of. You know, when you're young, you don't understand that, you know, I saw it as, you know, a death sentence. And this is what you're taking away from me instead of, 
looking back on it now with a little perspective, you see that, you know, you were given six months to live and you were gifted 15 years. And, you know, unfortunately, I, you know, squandered most of that time with him. And, you know, that was that was hard. But, you know, I didn't know what else to do as a as a kid and um did you have anybody come alongside you and help talk you through those things or were you just kind of on your own little island i think i made myself alone on an island i just you know i mean it i put up a front and just said no i'm fine i'm i'm good i'll you know yeah i'll be okay you guys you know what do you need from me? I'll yeah. I'll help you, but yeah. do whatever you need to do. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And it it just becomes normal, mm-hmm. you know. It just becomes the day to day, and and you get used to. You know, we got used to the seizures and the surgeries and the doctor's visits and the stress and the meltdowns and and it just you know it obviously it you know as a kid it changes you and uh and i i don't know that i ever whereas i didn't go to church i don't know that i ever didn't believe Mm -hmm. i always i always spoke to god i always prayed Mm -hmm. but i just didn't i think it was my my childish or selfish or naive way of thumbing my nose up at God to say, yeah. you know, you allowed this, you, you allowed this to happen. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to give you what you want. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sure. go be in your house. Yeah. And, uh, because that was the one thing I could control. Yeah. And, and like I said, it just, it becomes habit, mm-hmm. you know, year after year after year. And like I said, that went on and, even after he passed away, um, it just, I, I just made a decision to, to not be involved. And even after I got married and, you know, my wife and the kids were going to church every week, I would occasionally, I might, you know, feel guilty and, or be guilted into it and, and go and, make excuses, you know, why I don't want to go back or why I just, nah, I'm not feeling it, you know, I'm not feeling the pastor, not feeling the church, not, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and then I, it was shortly after Riley, our first grandchild was born, uh, when I, I, it was sometime in the spring and I, just woke up one Sunday morning and my wife was getting ready for church and I asked her I said you know are you going and she said she was and I said well can you stick around for a few minutes I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go and I I think she probably tried to hide it but I'm sure her jaw was on the floor because then she didn't want I know she didn't want to appear to be too you know awestruck because then that might make me change my mind yeah yeah but uh but I yeah I mean I just woke up and I I felt like I should go that day and I I went and and uh, I can still see it I we sat in the back near the exit Mm -hmm. which is where I wanted to be and um, listen to the worship and I was starting to second-guess myself a little bit and wondering if maybe I should just exit quietly and maybe you know hang out outside for them and and then the pastor came out and the first thing that he said, one of the first few phrases that came out of his mouth just hit me like a ton of bricks. 
Um, it was uh, uh, there was a uh, at my dad's visitation. Um, my mom had made some copies of just you know little things about my dad you know accomplishments samples of writings and things like that um, tidbits of you know prior sermons and and uh, she I guess had made a copy of, of a just a short story about you know a loosely based you know story about a sermon and it was written actually before I was born and I, I believe it was when he was uh, just after he had graduated you know and finished seminary and she had made all these copies and was just putting them up on tables for people to look at and I was I just took a break from standing in the receiving line and just wanted to be alone just wanted to kind of sit up sit back and and just take a break and a woman uh, who no one knew she came up to me um, and introduced herself and she said she was a pastor and she had never met my dad <laughs> but she felt like she should be there and I, to be honest, I was a little annoyed because I just wanted to be left alone. But I was polite and I was respectful and I, you know, just kind of nodded. And she went on to continue talking to me and she asked me if, uh, if she could have a copy of this, one of these samples of my dad's writings and I'm thinking, you know, my mom made dozens of copies and they're there. So, yeah, you know, I yeah. just take it, take, take it and go, please. Yeah. I just, I want to, I want to be left alone. Yeah. And so I figured, okay, if I just tell her, yes, she'll go. And she didn't go. She continued to talk to me and asked me if I knew what it was about. And I had no clue. I, you know, and I said, no, I, I don't. And she went on to tell me uh, what it was about and thanked me politely and left. And I can remember it clearly because I walked up, you know, to my brother and sister and I said, do you, do you know who that is? Do you know? I mean, she's freaking me out a little bit, you know? I mean, she was just, she, it was odd. It, it, and it stuck with me and you know I that was the last I the first time I had ever heard that story and the last time I had heard it until that first time when I walked back into the church mm -hmm. and it just it hit me and it was pretty apparent that I was supposed to be there <laughs> so I uh It was it was pretty clear to me that God was saying that I needed to be there, and I was supposed it was it was time, and uh, but I was not <laughs> I was not comfortable. I can remember I can remember feeling like every single person in that church was staring at me, like there was a spotlight on me. Because I felt like I was going to explode, and I just I wanted to just bust out crying. And I looked over at my wife, who was sitting to my right, and she's just staring straight ahead, oblivious. And I looked over to my left, and the same thing. And nobody was watching me, but it felt like it felt like everyone was watching me. And I was like, I got to go. I, I need to leave. And I looked back over my right shoulder. 
to look at the door and I'm like, I'm, I'm leaving. I, I'm not going to start crying in the middle of the church. I can't do this. And uh, as I was about to stand up, I, I felt what I don't know how to explain it. I mean, like someone was putting their like putting their hand on my left shoulder or like a warm mug and it just it was calm and It was pretty apparent that uh, God was trying to tell me that I needed to be there and I, I can't leave. He wasn't going to let me leave. Wow. And, uh, you know, so I stuck around <laughs> for the rest. I can assure you I don't think I heard a thing that was said the rest of that that message. I was just going over the last 20 some years of everything that I had done and trying to keep from crying. Mm -hmm. And I never told anyone I, until, until we had that mm -hmm. session at church, mm -hmm. I, I never said anything to anyone. I just, I kept it myself. And then after we did that session, I, I talked to my um, brother and sister and my mom about it. And we actually went through the stuff from my dad's service and after like several hours of digging through things we found the the story and so i keep it on my dresser to just remind me wow so and did you ever find out who that lady was no 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 mm -hmm. clue who she was. She was strange, though. I can tell you that. <laughs> it, it. She was. It. She just. And and I. I'm sure that was part of it. She. She was, awkward. I don't think she knew, why. <laughs> and I, you know, she just felt. She said she felt like she needed to be there and chose me, sought me out to talk to me and to tell me what was on there. So So after that church service, what did you do next? Because that's a that's a really big hard turn to take. <laughs> it's it's it is. It was I did a complete one eighty. Yeah. I went from I went from having nothing to do with it to just accepting it and I was there every week and made a huge change in my life it was you know I mean I it was so clear to me why I what why that happened and and what had happened that I I couldn't ignore it anymore it was you know I had always like I said I had always been praying it's not as if I didn't believe. I just I convinced myself that I, you know you don't need to go mm -hmm. church, and I can I can you know I can worship God in my own way, and I'll be fine, and and you know wouldn't get anything out of it, mm -hmm. and oh, I was basically slapped upside the head by mm -hmm. God to say you're wrong. Wow. So, it's interesting that you felt like the church was watching you that day because I, the church wasn't watching you, but there were a few people rejoicing over your presence in the church because your your daughter, so sweet Taylor, had been praying and praying and praying that you would be willing to come to church and that you would be willing to re-acknowledge God and... Um, 
So I was on staff of that church. And I will never forget that Sunday, ever, as long as I live, because I obviously didn't know who you were, but she came walking into my room where I was and just started sobbing. And she said, my dad, Rob, he finally came. He's here. And she's sobbing. I never knew that. And it was just the sweetest, most tender moment with her. Mm-hmm. Because she, I mean, you know her, you know Taylor, she's so strong and she is so capable, but she's so tenderhearted and she loves people so fiercely. And um, I remember I was on stage that day at the end of the service, but I also was leading kids church. And so I had to stand in the back of the service that day to know when to be on stage. And um, I obviously knew your wife. And so I knew what she looked like. And I remember seeing you that day in the service and wondering, I think as a Christ follower and a leader of a church, you always wonder what that new person is thinking in that service. And you're wondering if anything's connecting. And I just remember praying like, Lord, whatever this looks like for him, you just show up. And like, I'm in tears hearing your side of it because I never, I never knew that side of it, of just how intimate God is to meet us at the point of our need and to show up at the moment that we need that hand on our shoulder to comfort us and to say, no, just stay. Yeah. You're good. I've got, yeah. You know, and, um, to know, then to watch you, you just came alive in the church <laughs> and you started volunteering and serving and showing up and becoming this constant presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to this day, yeah, you're this constant stable presence in God's church. Yeah. And it is so incredibly awesome, Rob. That is extraordinary about you. You know, as church leaders, I think I can speak for for Heather, for myself, for all of our leadership team that gets the privilege of being a part of your church body, but saying Sunday morning comes and I think you always picture these people that are just stable that you know are going to be there, that you know you can count on. And I told your wife this a few Sundays ago, but you and Margie are that. You're that to our team. You're that to our church. You're that to the people. You're that to the children. And like I just, I cannot impress upon you enough the profound impact that you, Rob Craig, (laughs) have had on our church body, on the people of our church. And I think your dad would be so profoundly proud of you. Yeah. I appreciate it. I mean, and I honestly, I, I, you know, I think the same thing. I mean, we, obviously we have a lot of, you know, uh, events and, and get togethers and, and, and I, there's been numerous times where you just, I look around and you, you know, at, at these events and you see everyone or even just when groups of, of friends that we made from church, you know, on a routine basis, we get together, you just stop and you're like, you know, you guys, by hearing, you know, that calling and starting the church and doing what you did and creating this, we've got this big family yeah. and it's, it's, it's nice and it's amazing what you guys did because what you guys did is not I mean what I do is you know the little little things help out here and there which you guys they're pretty big things (laughs) (laughs) they're big things to us they're really big things to us because I think that's what we want you to know is that they really are it's we say this all the time on this podcast it's the little things that are actually the biggest things yeah and Rob I know we're going to talk about this a little bit in a minute but the things that you do for our church and for our families are just um, the biggest things in the world yeah. to us. And they, they really, they really, really are. So I want to ask you a question because I think this is so, so good. What would you say to that person who is in your shoes right now when you didn't want to go to church? Maybe you believed, but you just, there was that thing that was keeping you out. You know, what would you say to that person right now? Specifically, what would you say to that man right now? Well... I actually kind of had a moment like that just last week. I had a young person 
who literally we were having a discussion the team about religion mm-hmm. and he kind of sidesteps you know the discussion quite a bit and he's he was about the age that I was when I met Margie and he made a comment that I would have made when I was 25 years old mm-hmm. and I probably did make mm-hmm. multiple times about not feeling the need to go to church I I think I can I can do it my way you know I don't I don't think you need to go to church I think as long as you're a good person you know you'll you'll be fine and all those all those little things that we tell ourselves and it it was pretty clear I was because the the choice in words I, I was supposed to talk to him and and it just happened to be right at lunchtime and mm-hmm. we had the time and you know i i talked to him and and i just told him that you know i used to think that very thing and i was wrong mm-hmm. and it took a while to get there um, but one of the things that he was speaking of was like those those signs, those you know, hearing God and and do you are you really hearing? Are you are you really seeing something, or are you just making it up? Are you yeah. just making more of it than it actually is? Yeah, yeah. And I shared with him, you know, I didn't want to share him with him that full story because that probably would have gone on <laughs> into the late afternoon, but. Um, I, I shared with him a story that was pretty clear uh, to me uh, that it was, you know, God's voice. And I had a, uh, a I was not in a good place. I, I was not happy with my job. I was miserable. And I decided I just, you know, I, I needed to leave. I was working long hours and just couldn't do it didn't like who I was anymore mm-hmm. and um, I left I, I you know talked it over with my wife and we decided whatever happens you know trust that it's the right thing and and you know God would lead us to where we need to go mm-hmm. and and it'll all work out mm-hmm. and which is huge for me because I love security i i like eliminating risk and <laughs> I, in insurance. i'm in insurance yeah i mean that's like my job so i it it was not easy for me yeah. but uh but we had been good with you know our finances and we were in a place and uh a good place and we felt like you know what it'll it'll all work out and so i i i quit i just called and and said I'm I'm done I I need to leave I need to move on and I ended up taking a job in a completely different area and I thought that that's what I wanted and I was it was for less money and I quickly realized that I was wrong. It was a mistake. I should not have done it. I was not happy. And I felt like I had I had asked my wife to trust me. And now all of a sudden, a few months in, I'm panicking because I'm miserable again. And I need to ask her to trust me again. And I can't do it because my pride wouldn't let me. I was like, I, I, just, I didn't want to do it. So I was up at night searching online for other jobs because I figured, well, if I could find something and then tell her, you know, well, this, this popped in my lap, then <laughs> it's all good. And, and searching. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I mean, every, every day I, I wanted to tell her and, but I just, I couldn't do it. I didn't want to let her down. Yeah. And, you know, so I was doing you know, I was being dishonest with her. I wasn't telling her the truth. And and 
I continued to do it for months and months and nothing was happening couldn't couldn't find anything and eventually I went to church one Sunday and was basically again slapped upside the head <laughs> which is usually what it takes for me to act and you know the message was was pretty clear you know you need to be honest with your wife or your spouse and and you know you're if you're struggling with something you know let go of your pride and talk to her That's, you know it's about trust and so i came home that sunday night and i thought about it and i decided not to <laughs> I was like, I just can't do it. I just cannot do it. So Monday rolled around, I go to work, and I'm miserable again. And I come home, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they didn't do it. Mm. Tuesday rolls around, same thing. Didn't do it. Mm. So Wednesday rolls around, and, and uh, I decided I, I just I have to. I have to. I have to do this. So I we sit down on the couch, and I put my cell phone to the left of me on the arm of the couch and I turn to her and I just tell her everything I just let it out just I screwed up I it's my fault I apologize I'm I hate it I need to leave again and you trusted me and I let you down and I'm sorry and she was very calm very understanding and just said, okay, well, then let's work on finding something. And literally, you know, I mean, you had that weight lifted off yeah. of you. And as she's starting the conversation, well, what are you, you know, what are you going to do? And I'm saying, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm telling her, I've been looking online, you know, I, I don't know. I'll, but I'm going to reach out to a few people that I used to work with see what happens and as we're having this discussion as i finally <laughs> listened and did what i should have done my phone goes off i grab my phone i look at it and it's a text from an old friend that i used to work with that i hadn't spoken to in well over a year yeah. and he says hey rob just wanted to check and see if uh, you had any interest and coming to work with us we really you know we're struggling right now and we need somebody that can come in and and just hit the ground running you know that doesn't need a whole lot of training and i just i stared at my phone yeah. just yeah awestruck wow. and i you know margie asked me well what what's going on and i i handed her the phone <laughs> and she read it and she said well you know what you're supposed to do, right? I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, the job's mine already. I, I know. I'm. It's mine. Wow. And so I went into the interview just assuming the job was mine, and it was. And wow. I've been there for almost four years. It'll be four years this December, and it is the best thing that ever happened to wow. me. It. I mean, it's it's a great place. I I love my team. I. It's it's an amazing well, I mean, opportunity. They, call you the king. they do. So how can I not love it? <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh my goodness. But, and so, you know, and I mean as I'm telling this, you know, young kid that, you know, you I see his face go from like mm -hmm. you know, this disbelief to like, wow, well hmm. okay. I, I can see that. And yeah. You know, and I mean, yeah. it, maybe it's not like flipping a switch and maybe it's not going to, you know, change him immediately. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I think it, it I think it, it's about perspective and I think is it'll start the discussions here and there. And, yeah. you know, the seeds hopefully. that are planted. Yeah. yeah. When I think you experienced that one conversation, though she was a strange woman. Right. <laughs> it, it impacted you so profoundly, and you can recall it with such clarity all these years later. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yet, so you having this conversation, you have no idea how that could alter his course. You know, True. how God could use your words to speak into him. And I think, Heather, I, that's, we say this all the time. 
That's why I love having guests on this podcast Mm -hmm. because we're, you know, not to over-spiritualize this, but we're very prayerful Mm -hmm. about who God would have us bring on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people remain on our guest list for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we go, yeah, let's ask them now. And Rob's kind of been one of those guys where Mm -hmm. it was like, man, he's got a great story. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's have him be a guest. And then all of a sudden like, okay, let's do it now. And just believing Rob that you're, your story, your words, your encouragement is going to land on the ears of someone that needs your encouragement, mm-hmm. that needs your story of of faith and of redemption and of restoration and yeah. to go, yeah, it's time, you know. So well, I think that's for someone, so I think it might just be to to take that step and act. Yeah, that um, in your last story that you were just telling about how you knew what you were supposed to do. Yeah, and it. You didn't do it, and you didn't do it, and you didn't do it. And oftentimes I think that we so limit God and God's, not his ability because he is God. He can do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. whatever he wants. But God saying, yes, okay, now I'll move on your behalf. Right. Because of our own disobedience. Yeah. Like we are the block. Yeah. And we often think God's the block. Yeah. Right? Why is right. God not doing this for me? Why is God not answering my prayer? And the block is us. Yeah. The block is our disobedience. Right. The block is our not listening to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that's a word for a whole bunch of people. Yeah. That what is it that God's asking you to step into, to say yes to, to say no to, to move in, to obey in, yeah. so that he then goes, okay, now I can move yeah. in your life. Now I can answer that prayer. Now I can give you that job, give you that spouse, heal that relationship, whatever it is. Um, that's so good. I feel like you really need to preach. And since I'm in charge of the <laughs> preaching team at church, we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you. We'll talk. My people okay. will call your people. I don't have any people, but... You're called the king. I'm pretty sure you have a few people. <laughs> so good. Oh, wow. man. Okay, well, there's like eight more questions that we just don't have time for. Now that we've cried our makeup off. But, <laughs> but that's awesome. Before, I do want to get to this really quick because... She's just awesome, and we have to talk about her. Yeah. Can you tell us about Margie, your wife? My wife, Margie. Uh, well, we've been married for 16 and a half years, and she is an amazingly strong woman. Um, beautiful, obviously. But uh, she's, she. I mean, we, we met, actually, I think we, were, we met under unusual circumstances because... Uh, I was under the impression that I was just going to kind of meet someone possibly, you know, and see what we thought of one another. Was it a blind date? She was under the impression it was a blind date. Okay. I thought I remembered that. I was just told that they were going to bring her to the same place where my friends and I were going to be. Oh, to see so like super if, casual. Yes. Yeah, so that oh. you'd have an out. You could yes. hit the exit if you needed the exit. Wow, right. so she had right. expectations. She, yeah, she thought it was literally a blind date. Like, we were there to meet. And so when we first were introduced, I was I was polite, but I wasn't, you know. You weren't, like, on a date. Right. Yeah, you were hanging out with your buds. I was, I was <laughs> hanging out. I, you know, yeah, I was playing pool. I was drinking yeah. and beer and... And then uh, she was about to leave, and, uh, you know, my friend who had set us up came over and said, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? Hanging out. Like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, she's about to leave. I'm like, okay. You know, I didn't, I didn't Greg grasp, and he said, well, aren't you, aren't you interested? I'm like, well, yeah, but I, I got to get to know her. I'm like, what's, what's going on? Well, she thinks you're on a date and you're ignoring her. Oh, no. I'm like, well, you didn't tell me. <laughs> friends so, say, good job, buddy. So, yeah. but uh, Are you but, still friends with him? No, actually, we're not. <laughs> I feel that's wise. Okay, but I have a question. So, how old were you when you met Margie? I was, when we met, I was 25. Okay, so she's a little bit older than you. She is. Okay, and she had three kids. Three kids. Okay, and you... Was that super intimidating to you? Actually, no. No. I, I yeah, I don't know why. Okay. Um, well, I know why, but yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I guess I was I was always a little bit more mature. Okay. You um, know what? Can I interject? Yeah. I think God had already prepared 
yeah. your father heart. Yeah. And you doing the pickup basketball game with your brother. Yeah. And having to step into that father role at such a young age. Yeah. God had already prepared yeah. your steps for what he was True. calling you into. Mm-hmm. And so when you were faced with Margie with three kids, you went, yeah, I recognize this. I already know how to love in this capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's, I believe, mm-hmm. from from someone who's had an outside perspective mm-hmm. and now a friend perspective, I think that's why you've stepped into it with such grace and, and with love, such success. I love that verse that says, I have no idea where it's at because I'm terrible with references, but um, it says the steps of a good man yeah. are ordered by the Lord. Yeah. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Like he's got the steps already yeah. planned out for you to walk down. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's it is cool. Verse. It is cool. I mean, I th- and I think it takes, I think it takes a while to realize that, mm-hmm. you know, and to to trust that, you know, he's going to figure it out. And yeah. and I think it's, it's been, uh, you know, going for, seeing one end of the spectrum to you know seeing it as God punishing, mm-hmm. to, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum mm-hmm. what it is and and it's. You know, I think it's naive of us to think that we can understand what he's doing. Obviously, mm-hmm. he puts someone in, you know, a two-minute block of my life mm-hmm. almost a decade earlier that would profoundly change my life, yeah. Yeah. you know, later. And, you know, and it, I think all knowing that it was going to take that amount of time to soften my heart mm-hmm. and I'm sure you know I've thought about this quite a bit you know I mean the Briley I mean our first grandchild was born and I'm sure that softened me mm-hmm. at another yeah. and you know I mean it was just it it took time and you know nobody knows us better than than God knows us so That's right. yeah That's so good well and I love to watch you one of you do so many things for our church but one of the things that you do is serve in our kids' ministry mm-hmm. with the preschoolers. Yeah. Which, God bless you. <laughs> I just said last week, like, put me in with the babies. I'll hold and love those babies. Please do not put me in with the preschoolers. <laughs> I See, I love it. I, you know, I, you know, let me be an idiot, you know, mm-hmm. run around like a moron and, <laughs> and play with them. And, you know, I mean, honestly, I don't know, kids... I've always been, it's always been easy for me with, with kids because it, I think most, more often than not, I mean, as long as you're paying attention to them and you, and you show them that you hear them, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they love it, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially if you show them that you're okay with acting like an idiot, you know, (laughs) then all of a sudden you, instead of this, this adult who's too busy to listen to them too busy to yeah. take them seriously mm-hmm. you know too busy to put down your phone or your tablet or whatever it is you know that you're doing instead of, of yeah, yeah instead of listening to them even if they're just rambling about some make-believe story if you ask questions you get involved and they're your friend, yeah. you know, all of a sudden. And it's just, it's simple. It's easy. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no games or motives behind it. It's just, it's simple love, yeah. you know. Well, you're so good at it. You're so good at it. <laughs> well, I have a preschooler in your classroom. And so from a mama heart, thank you for serving so faithfully. And you're with, welcome. It's just, it's such a peaceful feeling knowing that there's people like yourself Mm-hmm. That, that really that want to be back them. there and want to care yeah, for them. Yeah, that it's not like begrudging or mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, this like I, I want to be back here. So that's yeah. so cool. So cool. So we do a really cool thing. Uh, all of us with our spouses are involved in Supper Club, and it's fun. We have some great conversations, some honest conversations. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I just found this out about you, Rob. Well, let me let me preface it by saying I've known this for years that you are not a fan of social media. In fact, you just said the other day you want to go back to the like basic flip phone. I would, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't blame you, actually. I yeah, that's I, awesome. I I mm-hmm. respect your opinion on that so much, and I yeah. think there's so much value in that. <laughs> I agree. Um, we're all way too into our phones. Yeah, but. 
we have to end on this because I promised you we would talk about it. You have Snapchat. I do. You you are not fa- not a fan of social media, and you have Snapchat. I do. Can you please explain I do. yourself? And I am ashamed. But <laughs> I, it's, so how, it, how did this come to be? It has everything to do with my team at work, and a that same young gentleman who I was speaking to the other, you know, last week. Uh, he came into our team, and he he's just constantly snapping all the time and a few of the little bit younger members of our team Mm -hmm. started to you know snap with him and they're all laughing and then they just they felt like hey you know rob if we can get rob you know we'll get the rest of (laughs) of the team to fall and everybody will be in on it and and I, I did. I caved, and but I, I have to preface this because I do not, I do not snap a whole lot. I get the snaps, and I probably have at least half a dozen right now from the members of my team. But I, I so do. So you don't not. ever snap back? Rarely. Okay, Rarely. and they know this like, too, right? Like oh, they Bob's, know it. It's a joke. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they they know that you know if if there's there there are two or three people in our nine you know our group of, of friends about nine of us, and there are two to three that you can pretty much guess, you know, they're they're definitely going to respond, sure, and you know right. how they're going to respond. Yeah, right. The, you know, the LOL or the crying face emoji. I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> we know who they are. We know what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other joke is we know the one person who's not, not going to respond. respond. And it's it's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. feel like it's time the to just. doesn't have to respond. That's true. Yeah. I that's feel like it's time. That's what they say, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's time to just like drop a total bomb on them and just give them a really sarcastic funny response once I do. and then go back into silence. I do. I give I give them occasionally just okay. just to let them know that them that on. I can do it, yeah. you yeah. know, but yeah, <laughs> I, I I time it. Oh, I time man. it right. That's that's the thing. I just yeah. I was flabbergasted because all these years, you know, I know. friendship, supper club, was been like this like you thing. can never tag Rob, right? Socialist Rob. Like, yeah, everybody, everybody's <laughs> at Supper Club and you're tagging everybody and you're like, oh, Rob. And Rob. <laughs> it's not that I don't like social media. I just, I think it, it just. Yeah. It's okay. It, you are yeah. welcome to your feelings. I yeah. just, I had such a moment at Supper Club last week when I found because, out. Okay, we must admit, like, I don't Snapchat. Yeah. You didn't even know how to use it. No, your wife was showing me at supper club last week how to do, how to send a Snapchat, yeah. and I still don't understand it. I got her on Snapchat too, and now she's even friends with my friends at work and snapping be- back <laughs> wow. and forth with them. The oh Halloween costumes were so going funny. back and forth on Snapchat. Oh my goodness! But it's awesome. Yeah. This is so funny. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. I, oh man. I think it might have to go up, like, way up there in my favorites. Maybe my favorite. And now we might need to ugly cry. I know. <laughs> I, know. I feel like it's there. It's right Do you have there. anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? Um, no, I just, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it a great deal. Well, thanks so much for listening. We know that this um, episode is definitely going to touch your hearts and pierce your hearts and give you some yeah. deep things to think about, some yeah. things to, as you go about your day and you go about your week, think about the things that Rob has shared in his story. And maybe you know someone that needs to hear his story. Maybe this is the perfect opportunity for you to share this with them and, and say, hey, there was this guy I listened to and he had mm-hmm. this crazy cool story and um, I want you to hear it. And maybe yeah. it'll be the thing that, that brings someone back to the Lord or, yeah. or encourages someone that they're not Get alone. someone back in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how they feel. So, and if you don't have a local church, if you, yeah. maybe you're that person that's, that stayed out of the, the church, find a church, mm-hmm. find a good church in your community, in your town and go and get plugged in and yeah. be that person like Rob is, who's constant, who's there, who, yeah. who serves and he, he um, hears from God and he's um, just one of those faces that we know we can always count on. Yeah. So. And Heather, some people don't know how to find a church. And if you don't, yeah. Heather and I have a really yeah. huge network of pastors all across the world. Um, reach out to us. We, we will help you personally find a church yep. wherever you're at. 
because yep. um, we're so passionate about mm-hmm. people being connected to the church of Jesus. Yes. So yes, and the church, it's it's both ways. People forget this. You need the church, mm-hmm. but the church needs you. Right. Also, it's yeah. not just about you going and getting your fix or getting right. filled up. The church, the body of Christ, yeah. needs your part. And Rob is such a be perfect a, example mm-hmm. of that. Yep, like absolutely. he's just one of those constants that we know we can count on. Yeah. So, well, thanks for listening and we will talk to you next time.